Chapter 10 of the Sick Man's Comfort Book by Reverend P.B. Power. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter 10 Comfort in the Thought that We Shall Have to Be Alone. The sick have often to be much alone. While others are going to and fro in the various businesses of life, their lot is to be alone, with their thoughts, perhaps, turned in upon themselves, with no apparent fellowship save that of their pains. Sometimes sick people have no friends who can be with them, and sometimes friends can stay with us only a very little while, for life is busy, and there are few who have not work pressing upon them which must be done. It is no wonder if some heart-sinkings accompany the loneliness of illness. Man was made by God for companionship, and not for solitude. It is not sinful, it is quite natural that we should feel distressed at this thought of solitude. But there is much comfort to be had, if we think that solitude is far from being all evil, and that it has its good things. The earth's surface, peopled with life, with waving trees and grazing oxen and busy man, has unnumbered forms of beauty. But away, down in the ocean depths, is beauty too. There are to be seen, in its corals and shells, and what we call weeds, and in its living inhabitants, many forms of beauty unlike, indeed, to those which belong to the surface of the earth, but beauty, both in form and color, still. Let us now search in our lonely time, or rather, in our times of being alone, for we may be alone without being lonely, for some of its beautiful things. Let us draw our comforts from itself. Look first at your Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. He was alone. He was alone in his great temptation. In all that wilderness time he saw no human face, he heard no human voice. He, undoubted man, with man's sympathies and man's needs, was cut off from men. He was with the evil spirits, but as regards human fellowship, alone. And you have fellowship with his suffering. Strengthen yourself in the honor of being, in some small measure, even as Christ was. When we go into the crowd, we must expect the temptations of the crowd and when into solitude, then the temptations of solitude. But in each case, we may have fellowship with Jesus. And Jesus was alone from all human applause. In one sense, he was always alone from it, for he was out of sympathy with it. But he actually withdrew from it. He went away, himself alone. We think that there are some sustainments in human applause, and so there are, but there are sustainments which do not penetrate the depths of our nature and which can never hold us up to do anything abidingly great. In missing them, we miss less than we suppose. Human applause did not carry Jesus through anything. What he did, he did without it, and we may do the like. Here, then, are you in fellowship with Jesus. Throw yourself into oneness with him, and though none may appreciate your patience, none understand your position, as it was with him, so shall it be with you. Your circumstances are like his. He will make you, in your measure, like himself. He was alone in his agony. Those who might at least have watched with him, slept. Heaven only heard his groans and saw his bloody sweat. And when he was strengthened, it was not by human sympathy, but by an angel from heaven. We may have to be alone in much of our pain. It would be a great solace to us to have a hand to press. 
it would be even a comfort to feel that our sigh, our groan, or our long-drawn breath fell upon some sympathetic ear and awoke an echo in some sympathetic heart. But that cannot be. We must be alone. Then let us say, I, in my small measure, am even as thou wert, O my Lord. Jesus was very often alone, in want of sympathy, and in the loneliness of not being understood. Depend upon it, however little sympathy you may have, you have more than he had. However often you may be misunderstood, you are not as often as he was. You may often say to yourself, Ah, how much better off am I than thou wast, O my Lord. And Jesus will allow us to be one with him. Though we cannot enter into the depths of his suffering in any one form of it, we can still be in fellowship with it as regards to kind. And to be in fellowship with him will brighten any lonely hour. But being alone is not of necessity loneliness. We cannot help being alone. The circumstances in which we are placed probably necessitate that we should be so. But much of the feeling of loneliness may come simply from ourselves. Jesus, when most alone as regards the world, was in communion with the Father. To be alone in the fearful sense of the word is one thing. To be alone with God is another. You may cultivate the thought of a presence, and that presence your Father's. And that presence you will never have without his voice speaking to you and without your voice being drawn out to his. But there is another source, nonetheless real because it is lower, from which you may derive much happiness. Your mind, your imagination, may people your solitude, and do much for you. Many persons have their solitude thus furnished so richly, it might be said that they are never so little alone as when alone. Our sick bed, our sofa, or armchair need not be the poor limit of our sphere of life. We may leave them all in a moment. We may leave them far behind. Our bodies, no doubt, are kept in the chamber of weakness but our bodies are not ourselves. We have that within us which can people our present abode, where we dwell alone with the hopes and thoughts and beings of other life. Our imagination is for use as well as everything else. Let it be sanctified and kept within its proper bounds, and it will bring us blessing. Let us often in our alone times think of the holy angels who are round about us, of the activity and everlasting health of that land whither we are going. Let us try to live among the activities of another life, though we be withdrawn from those of this. Thus, we may have many friends. Thus, we need never be without friends. It will also be a comfort to us if we can see that this estate of being alone may be a very good one indeed. We never can find any happiness in a condition which we deliberately consider, from its very nature, to be destitute of good. Now, there is very often much help, heavenward, in our being alone. So much is there that our Father often sets his children alone that they might be helped. There is great undistractedness in being alone. We hear Christians continually complaining of the distractions of life, and there is little to distract in the chamber of illness. The calm of standing on one side of life's road and under the shade is ours. Much, no doubt, which might be procured by active exertion we have not, but much of the spirit-wearing which is incidental to procuring it we are also spared. A blessed calm ought to be ours. If it be not, we have lived below the privileges of our estate. 
and are dragging into our sphere that which belongs to another. Accept your calm as a blessing. And who has such opportunities of speaking with God and hearing from him as you have? You may be almost like Moses in the mount. Consider, too, that great things have come out of solitude. Great men have been fashioned by it. It is the nursery of meditation and thought. And what is man without thought? Only do not let your thought take a wrong direction. Do not let it turn too much upon yourself. Balance the inward with the outward. The way to prevent our being overwhelmed by considering what we are is by considering at the same time what God is. And balance, if possible, thought by action. The work of the sick room and the sick man cannot in the nature of things be great. Possibly it may not even be very useful. But what may not be very much in itself may be a great deal to you. Therefore always, as far as you can, set out your little day's work, and you shall have the pleasure which always follows upon accomplishment, upon work done. Do not compare your work with that of others. You have nothing to do with theirs. Be happy in your own and be content. It is perhaps a poor way to derive comfort for ourselves by reflecting upon the miseries of others. Still, it will surely make us somewhat happier in our condition of being alone if we remember that there are many who would give much of what they have if only they could be somewhat more alone. Driven hither and thither in the way of business, or pleasure, or it may be family care. They long for quiet which they cannot have. And there are many whom we perhaps envy, who are really alone amid a thousand. Theirs is loneliness indeed, a solitude not of place, but of heart. From this we may be free. There is no reason why the quiet place in which we have been set should not be a place of cheerfulness. Our few friends, and their few visits, and our own many thoughts, and God's many communings, making our wilderness and solitary place glad, and our desert to rejoice and blossom as the rose. End of chapter 10